Horror. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we review and reanimate the Zomromcom Sean of the Dead, one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez, senior staff member. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today we are taking a bite out of Minute 4, which uh, starts with David asking Sean if he's ashamed of his mom and ends with the motherfucking title card. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Should we start with um with Ed uh, describing uh, Barbara as butter? She's like butter. <laughs> Have you ever had a friend? Well, I I never had a friend who uh was like into my mom. I never had one of those. Like no, jokes. but I but I have had friends who were into other friends' moms. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I mean, as we learn later, Barbara is. You know, just the tits. And you can also... I'm kind of bummed that we never got to see more of Ed and and Barbara interact. Yeah, because it it seems that... Yeah, I mean, Ed and and Sean are like, you know, grade school friends. And so they grew up together. And and I imagine he's known Barbara for a really long time. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also imagine that Ed is... That really, that really like that, that friend that, you know, that is just like the kind of guy who like takes his dick out at parties. But then when he goes and meets your parents, he's just the most, like just the most respectful oh, person, yeah. like Barbara you know, for sure loves Ed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Like he's, and, he's a total like Barbara kiss ass. Yeah. Like can't understand why he's single. Like, mm-hmm. oh, probably brags about him more than sean yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely um uh, i love the 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 way that david says like are you ashamed of your mom the thing about david and i when interacting with sean that's so perfect is like every line is just coated with judgment mm-hmm. and like condescension like by, by talking well, to sean like he's like nell that they're especially like trying to enter back into society yeah, I, especially David. Diane's is a little more complicated because, like, David is condescension with an air of uh, manipulation, and of course, you know, like you know, he has an agenda, as we, as we said right. yesterday. But but Diane's comes from a place of like, I really need to say this. I don't mean anything bad, but uh, you know, like it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there's sort of a, a an element of. Uh, I don't know, general sincerity in, in Diane, Diane stuff. Um, yes. Still condescending, but there's a sincerity. A condescending to it sincerity. That, yeah. The kind yeah. Of that like, doesn't oh, mean I need to help him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I just, I, 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 I really, uh, 
see to like to me i think diane is this movie's secret weapon um oh I, yeah no yeah i, got I love diane yeah i love i love liz <laughs> i think liz is fantastic but um i do think that diane uh steals the show a lot yeah i i definitely think and, and, and we'll get into this as we get further into like the actual zombiness, but I, I definitely think die is like the secret MVP of the group. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Definitely. Um, I love that Sean describes, uh, the place with all the fish and he puts like, like a, a roof hand up. Yeah, yeah. Like a, yeah, he makes a roof with his arm. <laughs> yeah. The place where they make all the fish. Yeah. The place with all the fish. What's, I hope it's barely, I, I I'm trying to think of like, what's the, least useful description that could be for and i'm imagining if it was like some kind of benihana type deal oh no 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 the restaurant that is the restaurant slogan is the place with all the fish um as as we will find out later in the movie um so so he's like quoting a commercial oh it's like he was if he was saying like arby's we have the meats right yeah (laughs) um which i still think is the grossest uh slogan that fast food oh it's disgusting yeah but but it's disgusting but so is arby's it's on brand yeah it's yeah it's pretty on brand um the only thing they've got going for them is curly fries um Mm -hmm. uh yeah so the place with all the fish which um you know sounds nice they take reservations which is nice the sequel to the girl with all the gifts yeah right the place with all the fish um and uh, and then I like this bit where he's like, things will change, Liz. She's <laughs> like, really, Sean? And and he's like, yeah. And then what happens is we basically like the movie repeats itself because mm-hmm. we get the we get the nautical bell last call again. Uh, and he starts staring forward again. And you get the feeling that we were just. It's just going to like we're we're repeating ourselves, meaning mm-hmm. like, no, nothing's going to change. In fact, everything's going to go back to exactly the way it was before we had this conversation. And he knows that. Uh-huh. And that's where yeah. that that look of fear is coming from is like, I just was talking out of my ass. Mm hmm. I have no idea yeah. what she's talking about. I, I, I love that. Um, yeah. I love you know- this is a really strong opening scene. I mean, in in the other th- this this particular actually, oh man, that's really interesting because like in the other Cornetto films, what opens the film is a montage. Mm. Um, you know, in Hot Fuzz, we get the 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 background Sergeant Nicholas on, Angel. Right, we get the Nicholas Angel background montage, and then in the World's End, we get uh, you know, the yeah, the Golden the, Mile, the Golden Mile in 1990. Um, but this scene actually lines up more with the opening scene of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. Is, yeah. Where it is very like dry and just the quiet. ensemble sitting around a table. Yeah. Talking belittling about the prota- belittling the protagonist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's, uh, it's really interesting. I don't know. Yeah. And, and while we're, since we do, we are saying goodbye to the opening scene today. I just still remember, you know, putting on that DVD back in 04, you know, having seen no footage of this and being so, like, blown away at the speed and the just the 
the the torrent of of, of jokes and like the way how like energy like the energy of the movie was so confident and the way the camera would just whip from ed and i'm like oh because that's that's a joke you know like oh like revealing that david and i are at the table like that's you know it being so impressed and immediately like oh my god this is this is i remember thinking like oh this is like some next level shit yeah it's it's a very confident first scene and it's impressive that it does so much with so little. Yeah. And then we get into our uh, our, our opening credits. Uh, now, uh, what's what's this song? So the second needle drop of the movie is from uh, I Monster, the album uh, Never Odd or Even One Word. And the song we're hearing is uh, The Blue Wrath. And yes. what, what would blew me away about this i remember watching this movie for the first time and or not even the first time but like watching this movie in the future and this song sounding like uh like a b like a lost record from like the 70s and and this album came out in 03 wow yeah uh it, it's uh a, a, you know i monster or, or a british electronic music group which is right in edgar wright's wheelhouse yep this actually isn't even their most popular song the blue wrath uh daydream in blue is on this album and that is uh do you ever hear that lupe fiasco song daydreaming no okay well uh it's it's sampled a lot in uh it's in a ford focus commercial uh so you probably heard that one but yeah uh a, a, a british electronic music group i monster yeah i it it, it really effectively sounds like a much older song Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's and it's really good. It's got like a it's got a sense of whimsy to it. Um that I like a lot. It's got a monotonous tone, but it's got it it's it's whimsical. It's it feels well, it's just it feels quintessentially Edgar Wright. It 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 just feels like you could have heard this song in space or you could have heard this song in Hot Fuzz. Sure. Sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really great song. Uh, I, I, this, um, this opening sequence is really good cause it's, it's impressive how much of it is setting up plot and, and background characters to be paid off later. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, like all of these characters in this opening sequence come back, they mm -hmm. recur uh, it's something and, you and could never note. It's something you could never appreciate until your your second or third time watching. Right. Exactly. Because um, yeah, they all they all recur, but when they come back, they're they're actual zombies instead of like living zombies as they are in this opening sequence. And and what I love about it, you know, thematically, is that all of these people are sean like sean is one of these people yeah he's he's not it this isn't one of those movies where the protagonist is like the special or right he's the only one who sees how shallow and empty life is because no he's fully one of them right he's one of he us is one of them and the only the only thing that makes him special is liz yeah yeah liz Having, snaps him out of becoming just another zombie you She's know the to the point where at the end the guy the other the other guy in his life that's sort of keeping him down does become a zombie you know mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting 
it's it, it and I don't know why we're talking about this now, but it it, it kind of is a uh, a rebuke to that very bro American comedy idea, which is like, no nah, man, like your girlfriend's just a bitch, but your bros are gonna be there forever. Your bros are gonna be your bros for life. Yeah, and it's like, no, like you, <laughs> you have to move forward. You have to evolve. Yeah. The end of the the end of the movie um, reminds me of uh, of all things. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, of Sean's best man speech in the in the marriage episode of Boy Meets World. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he says uh, he says you know I, he's been my best friend for as long as I can remember, and I have to accept that he's not my best friend anymore. You're his best friend. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's what that, that's what the last scene always reminds me of Staken. Uh, I'm, I'm made melancholy by how, uh, cute I find Mary in this one, uh, sequence. (laughs) Makes you melancholy? Well, yeah, because I know she's going to be a zombie real soon. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, she seems like kind of like a, like a person with, I don't know. Poor Mary. Yeah. She has an interesting, yeah. Um, and then yeah, the uh, the kind of short younger guy with the blue uh, polo shirt, and the guy behind him, um, the 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 like balding guy. He always he always reminds me of um, is his name Colin from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Colin uh, Mockery. Yeah, Colin Mockery. <laughs> he kind of he does. Reminds yeah, me of Colin Mockery. Yeah, uh, I think for Colin... a long time I thought that's who that was. Like when I first yeah. saw it the first few times, I was like, "Oh, it's that guy from Whose Line." It's like if Colin Mockery had the had the height of Ryan Stiles. Yep. Yeah. You know, watching that show when I was a kid, I used to think that they were father and son. I have no <laughs> idea what made me think believe that, but I was I was positive that was the case. Uh, and it wasn't until much much later that I was like, "Wait, they're not father and son. What the hell made me think <laughs> that?" Think? Yeah, it's it's yeah, you you give it like half a second more of thought. Right. Yeah. Um we also another important part of uh, of this montage, um it, we are introduced to uh Big Talk Productions. Yes. Um which is uh you know, you talked about earlier this week you talked about how, you know, Edgar Wright doesn't have a production company. And he doesn't because his producer, Naira Park, has a production company, and that is Big Talk Productions, Big Talk Pictures. Um, And this is the first film that Big Talk uh, made. And uh, the the parent of of Big Talk, like their their bosses, are uh, ITV Studios. Um, And, uh, you know, started with on television, Spaced, but also did... Uh, Black Books, so there's the connection there, um, and also Free Agents, which was a British show that was remade in a, oh. in America for like a season with Hank Azaria. Oh um, right, I think I remember that. Yeah, uh, also did did uh, it's part of the annual Give Hank Azaria a Pilot movement. Yeah, yeah, um, they've sort of like since Free Agents, it, it seems that. Um, Big Talk TV really like jumped with both feet in mm-hmm. uh, to like figure out TV because like they did Spaced and then Black Books and that was it. And then all of a sudden Free Agents hits in 2009 and then they're doing like five or six shows a year since then. 
Right. Um, yeah. So lots of stuff there. Uh, but but the entire catalog of Big Talk Productions has been Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Paul, Attack the Block, Sightseers, The World's End, In Fear, which is a movie I've never heard of, mm-hmm. uh, Cuban Fury, Man Up, Grimsby, unfortunately, and Baby Driver. Uh, so. Yeah. Pretty great. Um, and and their their Rotten Tomato, like the Rotten Tomato scores of all those. I mean, the lowest one is Grimsby at 38. Uh, but for the most part, they settle in the like the 80s and 90s. It's a really great track record. I mean, really, you know, uh mm. their their biggest hit um was Paul of all things. Um <laughs> sure, yeah, with uh 97 million. Uh, below that, uh, Hot Fuzz with uh, eighty million, um, and then it's a and then it's a big big jump down there to uh, Scott Pilgrim and The World's End both have um, forty six and forty seven million respectively, mm-hmm. uh, well, and then a huge to... huge yeah. step down to like under ten million er- area like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then Baby but, Driver. Um, Right, yeah, 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 but the, I don't think the commercial performance of Baby Driver is technically up yet. Like, it's not. I don't have it to reference because I, I, I think it's still technically in theaters. You know, mm. it hasn't finished its worldwide gross yet. Yeah. You know, I guess, yeah. uh, I guess as of right now, it's like sitting at like two twenty five. But yeah, like it, so that'll still... be their biggest hit ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure, by a country mile. <laughs> but so yeah, Baby I don't know Driver what this... and then Paul. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know what this In Fear movie is. I need to go uh, check this out. I've never even heard of it before. Yeah. I'm going to go track that down and watch it, I think. You should. Yeah. Because um, then I'll have seen everything uh, on this list. <laughs> and, um, and I'll be well, enough. not Grimsby. Oh, you haven't never. seen Grimsby? No, never Grimsby. Um, okay. I don't oh, well, like... You're a, I don't yeah, like... What's his name? I, you're I an OG. Him. Yeah, you're an OG uh, not into Sasha Baron Cohen. No. I've never liked Sasha Baron Cohen, so um, no interest whatsoever. But uh, uh, all the other ones I have, I have seen and and quite enjoy. Um, even uh, even Cuban Fury for what it is. Oh so. yeah, Cuban Fury is a, a solid like sick day movie. Yeah, it's, t- it's totally charming. Like it's just a really mm-hmm. charming, goofy rom com kind of thing. And same with Man um, Up. I, I think Man Up is, is a super great. Just like, oh, well, man do? up is like no apologies. Great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Man uh, up made people start talking about romantic comedies again. I remember when that was first came out, people were like, oh, wow. Like a good romantic comedy. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, two years later we got uh, the big sick and now the big sick is like this huge, like runaway success and everything. But yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So this, this, this shot with the big talk productions logo of all of them waiting for the bus. Um, I just love that in unison they they pull out their cell phone to see what time it is, which is really great because that's a thing that's a joke that would be now like no one wears a watch anymore. Everyone just checks their cell phone for the time. Mm-hmm. But in two thousand four It was I, much more of a it was much more of like a like a forward thinking kind of yeah, because like you almost you watch this now and you're like, what are they looking at? Right. But I love that it is every other guy. So like every other guy in the lineup 
right, is looking yeah. at their phone. And then you've got the kid who's staring just, you know, Dead staring eye. forward. Yeah. And then you've got the other, the, the, the white guy who's like staring at the tall guy. Which is like a weird move. Yeah, yeah, it, it is weird. He's like he's like specifically looking at one at that at the 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 Colin Mockery looking dude. Yeah, like really, really, you're gonna take your phone out. Yeah, hats off to the the cash register uh, actresses for really synchronizing those moves. Oh yeah, and without looking up. Yes, yeah, in a very subtle, not like you know musical number way. Hmm. Uh, well, this is this sequence in this sequence is doing two things that I'm impressed with. One, it's synchronized to the music mm-hmm. um, in a way that, you know, would become a major part of Baby Driver. Uh, and then it's also a side wipe montage in the way that uh, the world's end opens. Mm hmm. Um, after the, uh, after the title card, the opening after the title card, uh, when we're being reintroduced to all the characters as 40 year olds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm it's, really, I, a- I, I just, I love finding these recurring visual motifs in Edgar Wright stuff. I just think it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And you know, you wonder, how much of it, you because know, it's easy to be like, oh, right, yeah, that's his thing. But I wouldn't be surprised to hear that how much of this was, was accidental or not noticed until after the fact. Because you you start to learn, if you have the privilege of, of starting to be on, on, on sets more and more or, or be around people who are directing more and more, mm-hmm. it, 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 it is... Language starts to become more and more of an apt term. It mm-hmm. is just how they naturally communicate with the camera. Yeah, and and as you as you spend as you spend more time on sets or as you tell more stories visually, you just start to develop a shorthand. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, you know, I I was watching Room Two Thirty Seven yesterday, and you know, there are all those people like, well, of, of, of course Kubrick meant to do this, and I, only I know the the answer, which is basically what we're doing, but... Uh, <laughs> but it, Only he, less less conspiratorial, but yeah. Yeah, yeah less conspiratorial. Uh, but it, you have to wonder how much of it was just Kubrick, like, well, then you move this way, and this is how I do it, because it's just... Yeah, but there 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 is a uniformed camera movement in this that's... It's good. It's make, it's making a statement. Yeah, absolutely. it has a purpose. It isn't just you know going and we're gonna not not to already beat this dead horse a week out, but you know so much of American comedy is like Chicago. Look at the trains, and we're in this bar, right? But to to say something with every frame in a comedy, it's. I remember being this was kind of what made me aware of the movie as it was starting the first time I watched it. Absolutely. Yeah. Using cinema to tell the story in a comedy, that doesn't happen a lot. No. Just even, doesn't happen a lot. Even in the years since. Right. Right. Um, I have to point out something I've never noticed before in the scene where uh, everyone's waiting for the bus. Mm-hmm. Right at the beginning of that scene, if you look in the glass, there is a woman's reflection of someone. She's like asleep. Oh, 
Yeah, um, like when it when when it makes that transition. Yeah, yeah, which I've never I've never noticed before because you don't actually see the real her; you just see the sort of like ghostly reflection <laughs> yeah, she, of her she, in the glass. Almost, yeah, you could almost imagine that like she's about to turn. Uh huh. She looks like someone who's who's about to like wake up a zombie. Right. It's really interesting. Interesting and choice. Pe- people sleeping on bus stops are always like they always bum me out, but I'm also like, yeah, right on. Well, yeah, it, it it mostly bums me out because I'm just like, man, they they must work really hard. Like, yeah, they're, oh man, like they're obviously like struggling if they're mm-hmm. that tired and having to take a bus and yeah, because oh, the few times that I've been that tired where I'm like, I don't care who else is on this train, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sleep on up against this glass window, right. Uh, and then this final shot, the uh, the title card shot of uh, of of these guys just sort of like walking forward. You have these two guys in the hoodies in the front, and they've got these things in their mouth, um, which mm-hmm. it's like the rave whistle, right? Is that what that is in their mouth? Um, yeah, it's definitely a whistle. It's definitely yeah. Is that a thing? Rave whistles? Well, yeah, because um, Daisy like has car- one in the oh, in, that's in the true. Yeah, like the yeah. carnival kind of whistle, right? This is like almost to the point where it it does look like they're about to. It does look like a musical number, mm-hmm. like they're about to do like the like the John Landis like thriller. I love that though. Yeah, um, yeah. I just I love that about Edgar Wright's style is like he doesn't he doesn't feel a need to explain why this is happening. It just is because mm-hmm. that's the language of the movie, you know. And it's it's enviable because I think sometimes we can get. Well, no, we have to explain every little thing. Every single word has to matter. It kind of looks like they're all uh, leaving the same place. Like they're leaving a concert. Yeah. Or like, um, is that like the train up there? Maybe they're like leaving. Oh, yeah. Maybe that is a train. Yeah. The train station or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah. I see what you mean about the concert, though, because it, 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 it's like because um, of the barricades. Yeah, yeah, it does. It just kind of has like a, they're walking down like an alleyway, leaving like yeah. a place. Why? Why are there barricades there? Are these? Is this like an alley between two clubs? And there's that just like seems, no one in line. That seems right. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a marathon's that. Yeah. Weekend. Right. Maybe they're all. Yeah. Maybe they're all like leaving a like a club or something too. Mm-hmm. That could. That could be. They were just there all night. Mm-hmm. Now it's dawn. So does this vision of modern life presented by Edgar Wright in 04 or 03, does this feel more or less of the moment? Does it still feel relevant and prophetic or does it kind of feel like the product of its time? No, I think it still feels completely relevant. I don't think it, Mm -hmm. I don't think this movie has, uh, cell, cell phones aside. I don't think this movie, um, has really dated itself at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really don't. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I'm I'm kind of excited to figure it out. I mean, I didn't rewatch this before doing the show, uh, so it has been a minute since I met, since I since I I, I watched the movie. <laughs> so it'll that's actually kind of one of the things that I'm most looking forward to is seeing like what's staged and what hasn't. Not in like mm-hmm. a I can't wait to catch it or whatever, but right. Just, I mean, with no judgment, I just want to. I just want to observe. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some like baggy pants going on. 
um, mm-hmm. in in this uh, this shot of the the people walking toward the the title card shot. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some baggy pants that wouldn't be a thing now. Um, you would have skinny jeans instead, but at a glance, I don't know that you would really pay that close of attention to that um, yeah. sort of thing. I think I think the general concept of the of the of the film and the general sort of like tone of the world um still feels uh true to this day i don't i don't think that has uh dated itself at all yeah yeah it's london is just such an interesting place to me because it's so familiar and yet so mm-hmm. foreign so yeah i it, edgar wright's london is definitely going to be something that i'm, I'm thinking a lot about while watching this because it's oh, yeah. his only it's really his only movie set in and about london yeah I guess that's true. Fair enough. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, I think I think that's all I've got. But yeah, as, as always, special thanks to Patreon associate producer Ed Foster. We couldn't do this without you. And you know what? Uh, it it seems crazy, but there there are actually movies by minute podcasts that aren't a part of dueling genre, and uh, you can find all those at Movies by Minute with an S at the end dot com. And uh, whatever movie you want, whatever movie you like, if you like The Fifth Element, there's a Fifth Element Minute podcast. If you like Airplane, Airport, there's there's an Airport Minute uh, podcast. There's it's it, it there's more every day. They're growing, and they're all hosted by just passionate little nerds like us that just can't stop talking about this or that film. That's and true. Uh, there's a there's a Movies by Minute podcast and a favorite. Movies by Minute podcast waiting for you to find it today, and uh, we'll be we'll be uh, we'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the week with Minute Five. Um, in the meantime, let's have a nice cold pint and wait for all of this to blow over. Bye. This time,